Welcome to the journey of you, where we equip you to think with purpose, empower you to act in purpose, and encourage you to live on purpose. Hi, I'm Tony. I love to learn and I love to teach. As a coach, I get to do both. I get to learn about you and about the ways that I can help you. Then I get to teach you how to reach those goals you've set for yourself. Infidelity in my marriage has affected me unlike anything else that I have experienced. It stripped me of my confidence and self-worth and caused a level of insecurity that wasn't there before. I lost sight of who I was as a woman before I ever became a wife or a mother. But through God's love and grace, I slowly began to see myself as he sees me. Loved, chosen, accepted, enough, worth dying for. I realized that my identity was solely in Christ, not in a man or his actions, or his search to validate things in him that had nothing to do with me. I matter, and so do you. That's why I want to help you see yourself the way that God sees you, one mindset shift at a time. In order for you to get started today, you can go to www.thejourneyofyou.net forward slash five truths. Again, that's www.thejourneyofyou.net forward slash five truths. And let's get you started thinking with purpose today. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my sister, Victoria Watlington, and we're just going to talk about just life, things that we've gone through, kind of just the outcomes. We both have chosen our paths and just where we're at today. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Victoria. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, sister. Hi. Oh, well, as you said, I am your youngest sister, um, <laughs> Victoria. Um, I mean, both of us would probably share. Uh, growing up as a military brat, I was born in Fort Bragg. Um, we moved around a little bit. Uh, both our parents were in the military. So I think that that uh, is about um, foundationally come from one of the things that I think about at the forefront of my mind is this idea of being definitely definitely I will say that as a military brat for sure that I feel like that's colored a lot of who I am even today um, I often joke that improvise adapt and overcome has really become part of my DNA sometimes I think in a good way and other times I think maybe it's been kind of detrimental because I've adapted and improvised too much in some areas um, but I definitely think that it's colored me for sure um, I'd say the thing that I remember the most, um, besides like you, of course, being born in Fort Bragg, um, would be the first time we had to be being born. I can't say that I remember you being born and what it was like before then. That seems like such ancient history ago. <laughs> um, I do remember after you were born, definitely um, like the mornings when we would go to College Lakes when we were going um, to the Christian school. And I remember all of us getting dropped off. And at one point, you and our baby brother were in like the same area. And I always had to go down the hall. I never got to be in the same class as you because I was older than both of you. Um, but you guys always got to be together. And I always thought like, well, that's fun. How come I have to be the one that's left out? But I thought it was better that at least the two of you had each other, um, except for when we all came together for assembly, because that's the only time we all got to be in the same area together. Um, I do remember that. I've never, I didn't even know me and Jimmy were in the same class. I had yeah. To, <laughs> I actually don't remember going to college. Like, I remember um, somebody playing on the playground and getting their head bust open. Yeah. <laughs> 
sounds like typical playground stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd say the thing that I remember the most would be that first time that we had to be away from our mom and dad um, when they both were on the drill sergeant trail. Um, I will say for me, that's kind of like the pivotal moment of my childhood, um, just because of that first time being away and everything that I experienced in that. I feel like even today, I still carry those things with me. What about for you? So, okay, so just as a setup for the listener, like Tanya said, both our parents were in the military at the same time, and they both were offered an opportunity to be sergeants, and that meant long hours. Uh, and with the three of us being young at the time, and both of them being on the trail, they there was a need to figure out child care. And so my great aunt Abby in Abbeville, South Carolina, um, who essentially raised probably everybody from my, my grandma down to us, uh, cousins, everybody, um, probably because I think she was maybe the most stable in the family at that time. Um, but anyway, that was when my mother had grown up. And so when it came time to go off to do this drill sergeant duty, that is how we ended up at Abbeville. And I believe I was about two and a half at the time. And Tony, what were you were like? Yeah, seven going on eight. Yep. 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 And so um, for me going to Abbeville, I can't say that I had yet had, the, I don't remember um, feeling like I was leaving something behind. I think that was where I became more independent, if you will, because I really didn't have, um, I didn't have that, oh, I, I need my, my mama or my daddy, uh, because as, at that time, at that age anyway, it was kind of like I didn't know what I was supposed to be expecting, if you will. And um, so for me, Abbeville, I think is where I really was shaped in regards to me, this sense of independence um, and self-reliance. Um, yeah, I do remember the excitement of waiting for mom and daddy on the weekends and looking down the road and um, and waiting for them to come visit. I do remember that. And I started school in Abbeville. Uh, in Head Start. And so, and Abby used to be a teacher. And so she spent a lot of time working with me in the mornings uh, because I went to afternoon kindergarten. And um, I think that I really took to the academics piece. And so that really was, oh, you're so smart and spell your name and win Dixie. That was the first word I learned how to spell was win Dixie. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think for, uh, for me, that really started to create that sense of self around achievement. Um, but yeah, you were a little bit older though, so you probably had something to compare Abbeville to, um, or I would imagine it affected your dynamic a little bit more in, uh, as it related to our family. Yeah, very true. It, like for me, it was more like that sense of abandonment. And of course I couldn't articulate that at the time, but as I've gotten older and gone through like counseling and things like that, I've realized that that's where I pinpointed where it started just because like like you said you didn't have anything to compare it to but for me I was used to always being with mom and daddy and so to not be with them or those periods of time where they couldn't come visit you know until it was in between cycles that was very tough for me making friends things like that was you know pretty easy I've never met a stranger even to this day but it was just that bond of the family that was very strong for me and so when they weren't there that was a lot harder to get used to 
uh, and I know it was for two and a half years, but once we even came back together, it was like that still stayed with me. I don't know if it was just in my subconscious, but even to now, you know, I can understand where it started. And so when we did come back together, that for me was very refreshing, but it, it also had that fear of I didn't want to not be together again, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so as we progressed from, you know, Columbia into Germany, Missouri, it was just like I wanted to make sure we all stayed together. And I think about even just while we were in Germany and learning languages and thinking about what we're going to do in the future. And I remember like you took German. I wanted to learn Spanish and, you know, our baby brother learned German too. And it was like, well, (laughs) yes, I guess he is older to you. (laughs) That's Um, vantage point, right? Yeah, it's so true. I didn't even think about that, but I felt like Spanish, I would use it more just because it was becoming like the second most widely known language. And so I just was like, okay, I'll do that. And so you two could speak together and I didn't understand what you were saying, but then I could have my own conversations, but I didn't have anybody else to talk to. Um, But I will say that just even the rich culture that we had, being able to travel different places and, you know, going to other countries and just being able to see things that everybody doesn't always get to see, I feel like also helped me to really have that love for diversity and being around other cultures and accepting people as they are. Um, I think that was a huge benefit of growing up as a military brat. And I just couldn't see doing it any other way. And I'd like to make sure that I do that same type of thing, you know, for my kids. Um, At one point I was interested in doing the military. um, And I know I did junior ROTC all through high school um, and a part of college. But I remember there was one day that sticks out in my mind pretty heavily we were getting ready for a training exercise and it was like we were getting ready to actually go to training and the guy was in my face yelling because I think I forgot one pair of socks and in my mind I was like it's a pair of socks like what is the big deal but it was just as he stood in my face yelling it made me think of like all the times that we had to move even when we didn't want to or somebody telling you you know what to do when to do it and it was just like in that moment I was like I want freedom it was like I realized that I'm a free bird so so to speak, like I'm a free agent. I don't want to just be caged. And so I decided, okay, I want to go a different route, still have total love for the military, very patriotic, but I just understood that that wasn't the best route for me. You know what I mean? And so um, I know that we had a lot of conversations, even with like Uncle Tony, of what are you going to do when you grow up? And I knew for sure I was going to (laughs) A&T. I was going to major in criminal justice and be an attorney. Oh, that sounds so fun. I would love to come do that. I just, that, that, that was like totally what I was going to do. And I, I could tell you word for word, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm majoring in. And I was so sad in that. And it just, life totally didn't go that way. But that was my original plan of what I wanted to do. What about with you? <laughs> so for me, I knew that I, from sixth grade, I wanted to go to Duke. And that was the only school that I wanted to go to. And so everything that I did, classes I took, activities, was to make sure that I could get into Duke. I remember in eighth grade, we had to sit down and put together our four-year kind of plan for high school and what courses and mapping that out to make sure. And just being very hyper um, vigilant, if you will, about the future and my plans. And I, I, I felt um, responsible like I'm, I see different, I see things about uh, teens and whatnot, um, trying to kind of figure out their space and their parents really having to like reach in and uh, help direct them. I don't feel like I ever had that 
sense of um um I will say like a lack of direction if you will um I knew that I wanted to like I said go to Duke I wanted to get out of Missouri I wanted to move back to North Carolina and at the time I wanted to be an English and history teacher I think probably because Uncle Tony was a history teacher and um I went all the way to maybe I think it was like the 10th grade and I joined DECA um, and we started learning about businesses and marketing and things like that. And I thought that was really interesting. And so then I started to come to this idea with my best friend in high school to become a corporator. And so to buy up companies and sell them off piece by piece. (laughs) 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 And so so I started to think that maybe that was the direction I was going to go. But then senior year of high school, I took a physics class and our teacher was a West Point engineer. And um, half the class of that year, we all ended up becoming engineers. And so that's how I went down the engineering path. Um, it suited me because it was something that was very um, concrete. It felt like a challenge and it was something that I felt like I could use my skills to do in the world that maybe a lot of people would necessarily be able to do. I just wanted to, I thought looking back, I would say I wanted to do something that felt significant, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so that was my plan. And then senior year, we got to senior year and I, um, applied to Duke and maybe two other schools and I got into Duke and had signed up. I was so excited, um, only to find out that, Hey, while Duke met a hundred percent of your need, need is defined differently (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the school as it is our family. And so, um, just so happened that late, late into senior year, I got a letter from a school I had actually never heard of that was offering a full scholarship. And it was the University of Florida down in Gainesville, Florida. And so went and visited. And um, uh, my pa- I will say that my parents were more impressed necessarily than I was. Not because Florida is not a great school. We're top five public university in the nation, I'll say. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in there real quick. <laughs> yes. Yes, but certainly that they were not interested in paying for Duke education. And at the time, I didn't know anything about student loans or anything like that. And certainly never even really, it didn't really cross my mind, if you will, that I might have some help or that that my parents would pay for my school. Um, I think that goes back to like if it, me by me, if you will, if it, if I didn't have it then I didn't know necessarily where it was going to come from, but I don't, I just don't remember feeling that sense of um, reliance, if you, um, on my parents. And so anyway, it obviously made way more sense to go to the University of Florida. And so that's what I did. And uh, it turned out great for me. I, I really enjoyed it. And I was really glad to come out of school without um, debt. But as I think about those experiences, um, I would say that that, those are the kinds of things that looking back, I can see how how my decisions were based on this idea of, okay, I've got to figure it out. Um, And it wasn't until later that I started to learn how to ask for help when I didn't know things. Uh, And I think it served me for so long because I could generally figure things out, you know? Um, But what I'm learning even today is that to grow bigger and further beyond um, some of the things that I'm comfortable in doing, I've got to get comfortable with not having the answer on the front end. So, It's so interesting to hear you talk about your perspective, because for me, like 
you talked about having like set things of, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. And you were able to figure it out and not worry about if anybody else could help you do it. Where I feel like for me, it was more maybe emotionally based decisions. Like I had that set plan, but somewhere in there, I got off track. And even sophomore year, I remember starting to do, well, no, junior year. Uh, we were going into junior year and we had to pick who we were going to do our dual enrollment credits through. And you had to get, you know, apply and get approved prior to getting credit. And so Drury had a Drury University had a satellite campus. And so I applied with them because they had a campus that was not too far from our high school and then the main campus in Springfield. And so it was like, oh, okay, well, I was able to get accepted very easily. So I was like, okay, I'll get my credits with them. Not thinking that, okay, I need to make sure that later on that they'll transfer, that NCA and T will take them, you know, and make sure I have all the requirements for them. That just wasn't my thought process. I just knew I'm going to take these classes and I want high school and college credit. That was kind of my thought process at the time. Um, and we did talk a little bit about like student loans and debt. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get a scholarship. And I did, but it wasn't like a full ride. And so it covered a few semesters. And that's something I wish, like looking back, I'm like, I wish I would have done that differently. So I could have had that full ride. I had the grades and things to do it. But had I stayed on that plan of like NCANT or other colleges, I could have done that. And so I did graduate with debt. And it was just like, that was not what I wanted to do. And it seemed like it took an eternity to even get that paid. Um, and so just looking at the differences of it in that, and then I didn't become an attorney, like I originally said, and, you know, I started being interested in like daycare and then just that freedom came back up again. And it was like, I was in restaurant, but it didn't match my degree. I still got the criminal justice degree, but didn't match my experience. And it, so it was like, where do I go from here? And in Springfield, everybody graduated with a criminal justice degree. So it was like either you're a juvenile officer, a probation officer, or a police officer. None of those were what I wanted to do. And so it, it, I was stuck. And just trying to figure out, well, what do I do from here? And so I did a lot of administrative tasks, and that seemed to come pretty easily to me, which, oddly enough, mom and daddy were admins in the military. So I understand where it came from, and I enjoyed it, but it was just, I couldn't find that thing that really made me tick, you know? Um, and then in there, getting married and having kids, and it was like, I kept putting things on the back burner, not realizing that it, I was kind of slipping away, you know, because I couldn't figure out, okay, well, what is me? Like, who am I? What do I enjoy? And so it's funny that we went through so many of the same experiences, but we looked at it completely differently or it affected us in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even just coming to that journey to now of like trying to figure out, okay, well, where do I fit? Like, who am I? And I don't know if you remember it, but I'd say it's been about three and a half, four years, almost to the day that we were riding in the car and you looked at me and you said, what do you like to do for fun? I don't know if you know it, but that was a pivotal moment for me because I couldn't answer the question. And you were trying to ask me so we could go do something because we were hanging out, but I could not think of one thing that was just something that I'd like to do that was just me, that didn't involve anybody else. And that bothered me. I was like super ashamed and embarrassed by that. And I'd say that's where my journey really started of trying to figure out like, okay, well, who are you? Like without any roles, any titles or any of that stuff, like who are you? And I took a lot of self-assessment, <laughs> just trying to become self-aware um, and just spent a lot of time reflecting and like, well, why does this bother me? Because I couldn't understand why I was the way I was for a very long time. And I even thought, God, I think you made a mistake when you made this in me or you gave me this quality. Now I can understand why he made me the way that he did, but I always felt like I just didn't fit and I couldn't figure out which way to go or, you know, what was best for me. Um, and that I'd say was the toughest part. If you ask me now, I could totally answer you. <laughs> but it was just 
getting to that point, and I would say counseling definitely helped me to get to a lot of like the root causes. Um, that's how I'm able to tell you now that I know like that abandonment came in when we first, you know, had to go live in Abbeville. And I carried that with me. And even in my relationships, I realized that that was kind of that driving factor of, well, I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be alone, you know, so what can I do to keep this person happy so that they'll want to stick around? Not that I wasn't making our parents happy, but that's just how I internalize it, if that makes sense. Um, and so just working through that and just trying to navigate, you know, through that, that it's okay. You know, I'm not abandoned and, you know, God loves me and I'm here for a reason. And being able to help other people see that too, that could be stuck in that same place, you know, that I was. So what, what about with you and your experience in terms of even coming out of college and engineering? Do you feel like, yes, that was definitely the path I wanted to go. I'm where I want to be. What has it kind of evolved for you since then? Okay. So, um, uh, for me, coming out of school, I, rem <laughs> I remember when I, um, so going to college, the I got there. I knew how to get to college, but I didn't necessarily know what came after that. Um, and I, I will say that I think that there is a very big difference between, though I wasn't technically a first-generation college student, but in practice, in the sense that um, I didn't benefit from the social capital, if you will, or the coaching and direction from our parents, like, okay, well, this is how you navigate college, or this is how you get an internship or get a job or things like that. Um, I, I remember sophomore year, I wanted to work for Procter & Gamble, and I'm not sure why, I don't, I'm not sure why or how I became aware of the company, but I knew that what interested me was having hand, hands-on. So I knew that that's why I chose mechanical engineering because I wanted to be able to take something from idea to product in my hand. And well, that's why it was because Procter & Gamble makes a lot of the household products. And so I felt like, well, this is interesting to me because I can see it every day. It appeals to me. Right. Um, so I went to the career showcase which had happened every year, once in the fall, once in the spring, and it was the place where you go to get an internship. <laughs> well, I had no idea anything about that. The first summer I worked at a summer camp uh, uh, at, back in Missouri and then came back to school sophomore year. And like I said, it was springtime and it was like, man, I need to get an internship. And so I had gone to the Career Showcase Center and there wasn't a whole lot still going on there, honestly. I didn't even know that I was supposed to print off resumes before I came and have to pre-register with the schools. And there's a whole deal that you have to do ahead of time. And so I found myself in the Career uh, Resource Center and I sat down with the lady like, I need help, I need an internship. Now, mind you, this is like late March, okay? And so she's like doing her best to try to help me. But basically she's telling me, I'm sorry, honey, you've missed the boat. Um, and I had also found out that Proctor did not accept interns like for their first internship unless you were coming through a program like inroads or something like that. And so not only was I messed up for that summer, but I was also messed up for the next summer and my whole life was gonna come double, right? And so <laughs> and so anyway, I will say that um I left there. She said no sooner had I left that she got a fax from a former uh, from a Gator alumni in uh, for at Hallmark Cards in Kansas City, Missouri, of all places, which was, you know, just a few hours away. My parents were still living at the time. 
And she was looking for a mechanical engineer in the retail product development division. So it was like the perfect role. And I was able to um, interview with her and I got the role. And a couple weeks later, I was uh, preparing for my first internship. And I think I've had so many of those kinds of moments along the way. Um, and for me, I think that was what I needed to understand that, hey, I'm not alone. I don't have to be hyper independent because the things that really, really um, worked out in ways that I could have never imagined in my life, I have to look back and see that God was doing that, the things that I could not do on my own power. Uh, and I think that that has helped me to trust him in a different way that uh, I'm not, I don't have to be my own hero kind of thing. Um, um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say, you were talking about, you had your idea, you knew what you wanted to do to get out of school, that kind of thing. I do remember having the thought coming up on senior year. Now, thankfully, fast forward from that story, I got my internship with Hallmark Cards and I got my internship the next um, fall with uh, Partner Gamble and I got hired on. And there's stories in there about how I ended up in Charlotte working for Proctor because I knew Charlotte was on my heart. I didn't even know Proctor was in Charlotte and just <laughs> a series of just wonderful, wonderful uh, events. Got really close my steps to get here. Sorry. <laughs> and so God really ordered my steps to get here. Um, but I remember senior year starting to think, okay, what do I do now? I've always been able to figure out what the next path was because as you go through grades, as you go through college, you kind of know what are you supposed to do next and how do you get to be the best at it, right? I could quantify I'm getting A's, so I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I could quantify I'm going to school, I'm doing well. I got the internships, I'm doing well. But when you leave school, was I going to go to grad school? I didn't know anything about that process or really the need for it or what I would do in that way. I didn't know how to get financial aid or anything like that. And so, and I already had a job, which is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to come out of undergrad um, with a job. But I remember feeling like, well, how do I, determine or decide what to do next if there's nobody else to measure against if everybody's on their own journey at this point how do I excel and do I need to excel to be who I am because I'm used to being at the top of whatever quantifiable uh, metric there is does that make sense makes perfect sense yeah so for me I think that was the identity crisis if you will because I remember my first day at um at work, <laughs> I worked in a battery plant, and I don't know if you've ever been in a bat battery plant. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dark in there, and just very, um, very industrial, and it, I mean, it's a, about your identity crisis. And so I remember going to work and coming out the first day and bust out crying. And I called daddy like, oh, I work in a battery plant. I'm going to be mediocre. <laughs> and he just chuckled so hard because he, he was he was like, Victoria, it's your first day of work. It's not the rest of your life. You start somewhere. You're helping people to live a better life with the products that you all are designing you you have a role in the broader world you're making a difference but for me not having something to measure it against um was it was it was hard initially to find my footing there um and 
manufacturing. I love it now. I didn't love it then. <laughs> I worked 45 minutes away from my job. I had to be there at 6.30 in the morning and it was nothing to be there at 7 p.m. and be right back the next day. And so it, I can't say that I felt like I chose the wrong um, major, but I felt like, oh gosh, I've got to, I've got to get out of here. But at the same time, I knew that I was at a company that was highly respected. And so there was a sense of identity there that when you walk in the room and you say that you work for this company, or that company, people are like, oh, that's impressive. And I didn't realize until later on how much of that, um, how much of my identity was wrapped up in where I worked. Um, that's yeah. good. That's really good. And I would say for me, I feel like where your identity was with work, I feel like my identity has been like in my roles and like I poured everything into that and it was like, okay, I'm getting it right or okay, no, maybe I'm getting it wrong. And that would always determine like if I felt like I was doing good or not doing good. And so that was hard for me because like, how do you really measure that? To your point, when you talked about quantifying, it was like, well, how do I quantify if I'm doing good or not? And if I'm when being told. Say, when you say go doing ahead. good, do you mean, am I good? Like, Am I valuable or do you mean am I performing? I, I'd say it's more the value part. I tied it to my value. And I think that's why it was such an up and down for me because it was like if I, if I didn't perform based on how other people thought I should, then that lessened my value. I didn't think that at first, but after hearing that enough, it was like I internalized that and it took root. So where I thought the same thing. And so it was like, I have to keep performing, keep performing in order to have that value or to actually be loved. But it was like, I was chasing something that I was never going to get, if that makes sense. And so um, you, it wasn't so much about the external achievements. It was more about the, the relationships. Gotcha. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so that's where my struggle was. Like when you like, you don't want to be mediocre. That's how I felt. Like how I was mediocre. And it was like, well, how do I change this or fix this or do better? And how do, how, what's the measure that I am doing better? Or what is my actual value? And that was the hard part of trying to figure out, well, do I have value or do I not? Of course I do, but I couldn't see it, if that makes sense. And so mm -hmm. that part of the journey, I will say, was my biggest struggle because it was like I tried different jobs, different roles, um, different industries. And I couldn't find that thing that was just mine. Or if I was in it, you know, we've always been taught to be the best. And so I, I would raise up and be able to be the best. But it was like I would always come to that point of it didn't quite fit just right. And it was like, I can do this, but this isn't my forever. Or this isn't that thing where I'm like, yes, I could do this every day. It just fit for the moment. And so trying to figure out those parts and aspects of like, okay, well, where am I supposed to be? And it was, for me, it just kept feeling like everything was temporary. I couldn't find that exact right glove like for you it was engineering well I knew growing up I wanted criminal justice but I got criminal justice I have not done one job in criminal justice since I've had my degree and you talked about getting your master's that was something that I wanted to do but I have never done it because I haven't pinpointed what I wanted to get in it and I didn't want to have it just for the sake of having it and so that that for me was the struggle of how do I know exactly which one even right now I couldn't tell you I want this specific one and so I feel like I haven't been able to define it the way that I wanted to. And I wonder, like, is there something that I didn't explore enough or 
get to kind of that route to figure out so that I could say, yes, I definitely want to do this or I would love to do this. I feel like something in there is missing. And it's just, to me, like night and day contrast in terms of like even viewpoints, because I mean, like with you, you know exactly like this is my plan to this, I'm going to this. Whereas for me, it's like, well, this is what I would like to do, but I can't give you those exact steps of, yes, it's this, this, and this. And so that for me is the hard, the hardest part, I'd say. For sure. Yeah, I think, um, I do think that I did a bunch of different things, like even in high school, mm -hmm. like society or whatever it was. Um, I don't know that I, or it wasn't that I never changed my mind about something or like the first thing I tried was what I was interested in. Um, I wonder, I wonder if there's an opportunity there then for you to just try to like maybe try some stuff. Like maybe you don't have to commit to a master's program, but maybe you take a class and see if you like it or that kind of thing. I don't know. I think I spent a lot of my, um, my high school and then even early 20s years doing that, mm -hmm. just like exploring different things and say, eh, I, I thought I liked that. I don't like it like I thought I liked it. <laughs> or that was fun. <laughs> I got what I wanted out of it. I don't have to take it to the 11th degree gotcha. you know what I mean yeah. um but I think that I had time to do that because I was I was a young 20 something without a family without uh, a husband or kids or anything and so I think that um that probably afforded me time to do those kinds of things where it, because mm -hmm. nobody was depending on me you know what I mean yeah yeah that makes sense whereas in my early 20s I was married and having kids and so Mm -hmm. a lot of those things I didn't go out and do or have a chance to do and so now I'm like well I would like to go and try this or I'd like to travel and do this and you know to your point just kind of see okay well what is that thing that you're like yes I absolutely love that type of thing so I kind of did it in backwards order <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say too I'm still discovering different things like it was easy for me to find the things that I like to do that were also going to give me a sense of achievement and significance. Um, the things that I just would do because I liked to do it without having to do it to compete or be the best mm -hmm. at those kinds mm -hmm. of things. I definitely feel like uh, here lately more so the last several years that I've been learning uh, about myself without that pressure of having something to prove um, or to, to achieve with it. So what do you feel is next that you would like oh. to achieve or <laughs> well, <laughs> you know well the immediate thing is i need to graduate okay yes. <laughs> i need to finish this dissertation and graduate next year yes. um yes. but as i look at my life track or my life vision i've always been very deliberate each year mm -hmm. with things and I will say, I didn't always necessarily know what the end goal was going to be, but okay. I knew, or I felt like I had that burning desire to do whatever it was in that moment. Like mm -hmm. I've had a contract license for four or five years now, have not done a single thing with it, right? But now <laughs> things are just now starting to come together um, mm -hmm. where I'm saying, oh, I see how this builds on some of the other things that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this mix of, certainty about what I'm giving myself to in the near future and also mm -hmm. not having the whole picture of what it's going to turn out to be later on. Um, but I still have yeah. to say that um, 
I look at my life vision in the big buckets, if you will, and all of them are really ticking along for the most part, you know? And so for me, in terms of achieving something, I just kind of want to close out some of the things that I've got uh, mm -hmm. that I'm juggling right now and just create some more space for relationship and for um, enjoying, if you will, the fruits of my labor. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I get that. And scary too, because it's like, well, come out without a goal. Will I get new goals? Will I get bigger goals? What's going to happen next? Is this the end? Have I tapped out? Like, you know? I totally understand that. And to your point too, how you talked about even like having your contractor's license and just now doing something with it. And like, I have my real estate license and I've been, you know, I've had it for five years and it's like, I enjoy it, but it's not like that thing that I'm like, yes, I can't wait to do this every day. And so I do see in all the different things that I've did, how there's kind of like that underlying thing of how they all come together. Cause it seemed to me before there's like, man, I tried this and I tried that. They're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but they all seem to have that underlying thing. Um, and so it has been exciting to see like that come together just as you get clarity um, and perspective from reflecting and things like that. So I am still excited to see what's ahead. Um, and just excited to keep going on the journey continuing what I've done so far. Well, I really appreciate hanging out with you today. I actually learned some things that I did not know about you, which is really exciting, <laughs> especially with you being my sister. So I just, I really appreciate the time. If there's any last thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Be authentic, be available. I love it. I love it. Well, with that, we will let everyone go for the day. We appreciate your time. We hope that you have a great rest of your day. Remember to love God, love yourself, and love others, always in that order. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. We hope that you are leaving feeling equipped to think with purpose, empowered to act in purpose, and encouraged to live on purpose. If you aren't sure where to start and you would like to have the first five truths to help you build that foundation to start thinking with purpose, head over to thejourneyofyou.net forward slash equipped. Again, that's thejourneyofyou.net forward slash equipped so that you can download those first five truths of getting you started to think with purpose and really pursuing all that God created you to be. I'm excited to do this journey with you. Remember, this is your journey. It's where your life begins.